The podcast Under the Stairs will feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners will find offensive. to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 31 of the podcast Under the Stairs. I am your host Duncan McLeish and I'm joined by a very special guest tonight. He is the host of Grave Shift Radio. It's like one of my favourite podcasts. You've heard me discuss at great lengths how much I love this show um, and how much I listen to it. I listen to loads of it. I can't get enough of it. And I've also went on record and if you guys haven't adopted it yet, um, you need to. It is the manliest podcast on iTunes by far. You Honestly, you'll not find... Any other podcast that deals with man's issues and man's ways, but also tackles fucking horror in a really, really cool way, is, of course, my very special guest, Ryan Lewis. How you doing, sir? Oh, fantastic, sir. Thank you for having me back on, this time with a working computer, so it <laughs> should be nice. And you're right about the manliness of my podcast. You listen to it enough, you literally start sweating semen. It's very nice. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Whenever I listen to the podcast, I just... I don't smoke, but I want to light up a cigar and drink like a a fucking forty two year old fucking Scotch whiskey. I, I don't know what it is. I, I, your your podcast brings it out in me. I start finding myself yelling at the telly uh, when I don't agree with things and cursing people on the street. So, um, but yeah, so uh, Grave Shift Radio. Uh, what well, you well, you already said you were on the show during the rim table, but we had some technical difficulties. Um, but it was still a great discussion anyway. And if people haven't checked that out. Go back a couple of episodes, check out the round table and listen to the stuff that Ryan was saying on that show. And that, that episode was basically a precursor to this, um, which is a, a very special episode at number 31. This show is going to kick off 10 weeks of the podcast Under the Stairs Top 10 Best and Worst Horror Remakes, um, which uh, oh, in theory sound, sounded really good, didn't it? You, like, you, yeah. You're going to set yourself up for a beating, sir. Oh, man. It wasn't until I actually got to that stage where I was thinking, not that I get to watch 10 amazing films, but I'm going to have to watch 10 horrible films. Right. Um, and, yeah, so, uh, so you're going to join me for, for that on this show, but... For my listeners who may possibly have not checked out Graveshift Radio, I don't know why, don't know what you've been doing, I've been talking about it enough, um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your show, you know, how it got started, what kind of things you do on your show, uh, stuff like that, Ryan? Well, Graveshift Radio is pretty much a, uh, well, it's obviously a horror review show, but at the same time, there's music involved in it, and it's uh, pretty informative, but at the same time, gets pretty fucking vulgar at the same time, because, <laughs> you know, three guys, three penises on the show tends to uh, bring out a lot of <laughs> vulgarity. And But, you know, it's a fun show. You can find us on iTunes. We're also on the now Legion podcast network and everything else. And um, you know, give it a shot. Yeah, and I, how long have you been doing that for? How long was uh, that show? Just over a year now at this point. Oh, 
Cameron. So you're 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 just just ahead of me. Um, yeah. Podcast under the stairs celebrates its first anniversary end of August. Right so, on, right on. So I, the year has just flown in, though. It doesn't feel like I've been doing it a year. Yeah, and look what everything that has happened in just a year, man. The show is the shit. I enjoy listening to the show all the time, and I'm not the only one. A lot of people listen to this show, and you know, from this to all the different roundtable things you're doing, you know, the show is, you know, it's taken off. I dig it. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I, I set myself up for like all these different things and uh, and all the rest, other than the fact that I get to chat. Uh, first and foremost, get to chat horror with like-minded people who like horror um, out there in the world. And if doing podcasts has taught me one thing, is you can pretty much find a dedicated horror fan in pretty much every corner of the world now, and that's pretty fucking cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Sad thing is, most of them don't tend to near live nearby me. So, you know, I could do this <laughs> thing on the internet and catch up with people all over the world, but, you know, I go to my neighbours and, you know, they're not into it, or friends of mine, they're not into it, but... Yeah, I'm exactly exactly the same boat with that, but um, it's it's been quite fun anyway. But uh, yeah, so uh, great having you on the show, um, and we're going to be discussing um, number ten on the on the list. This is the, this is the show that will be discussing basically the the very very bottom um, of the ladder we're going to have to climb. So this is the tenth worst and tenth best horror remake. So tonight we will be discussing 2001's Thirteen Ghosts. Ugh. Oh yeah. That movie. <laughs> and 1990s, uh, well, 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. So, um, what I like to do with all my guests on the show is just ask them what they've been checking out recently in the, the world of horror, be that on television or movies. Um, what, what have you been checking out, Ryan? Well, it's, well, most everything that I've been watching is for Graveshift, so I've recently just finished Motel Hill, because I haven't watched that in such a long time. And, oh, yeah, it's quirky as fuck. Oh, uh, it is, but watching it again made me remember how much I really love that movie. It's just so much fun, man. Mm-hmm. And after that, caught up with... Hmm, Look, I'm having trouble remembering remembering my own show. Check that out. Uh, <laughs> we watched The Conjuring. Yeah, just watched The Conjuring, and uh, mm-hmm. which is once again better than I remembered it was. You know, I think yeah, yeah. when it was in the theaters, it completely spoiled anything that was going to happen. But not watching it until now again, I pretty much forgot everything and enjoyed it a lot more. And uh, the only other thing that I watched recently was All Cheerleaders Die. Oh, yeah, the Lucky McKee uh, new film. Right, right, dude. That is a quirky film as well. And uh, But, you know, it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it for what it is. And mm-hmm. frankly, you know, with the to-be-continued type ending, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing a second one. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I, I had a... I mean, I... I I got a chance to interview uh, Lucky McKee and Chris Severson, uh, the the two guys behind it, um, a couple of shows ago, and got a chance to get. I got a screener of the movie to check out. I I mean, there's a lot that I really liked in it. I thought there was like obviously uh, Lucky continues his theme of um, vengeful women, you know, right. women that have been wrong wronged in some capacity and seek revenge, which I I think. Um, I'm down with that. A lot of people are like, he's a one-trick pony because he keeps going back to that. I think there's not enough, um, not enough cinema, well, filmmakers, really, that are doing it like that. I mean, if you check out something like the remake of I Spit in Your Grave, that's that's not 
what Lucky McKee's doing in his movies. You know, there's 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 a lot of character development, there's a lot of story development, and that's what he kind of does, and I really like that. My, my biggest gripe with All Cheerleaders Die is that I just wish he'd had a bit more budget to, to kind of clean up the, C, the CGI, yeah. which I thought, it, it felt like an episode of Charmed, um, mm. a bit, which, I mean, that was the only thing that I really thought, you know, this, this to me, if you just had a bit more of a budget, but then... I, he's not the sort of director that's going to have like a you know a couple of million pounds to throw at a movie. Um, so I mean you kind of have to live with that. And like you, I'm curious to see if we get a second movie. What's it going to you know what's going to be like? Because they've done all the the backstory and all the you know the beginning character developments now out the way. So I mean they could really go fucking quirky with this. So oh, oh, yeah, they absolutely good. And like you, yeah, that's my only real gripe about this film is I enjoyed everything about it. The the special effects budget obviously does not meet up with what this filmmaker wanted to do. But mm-hmm. even in that, you know, you get like charmed or you know Star Trek Next Generation looking graphics going on, and this story <laughs> itself is interesting. It's different. So. You know, hopefully on the follow-up, I don't know, he'll probably follow the same style, but, you know, maybe if this one is successful enough, they'll say, "Eh, here's a couple more thousand pounds at you. Yeah, and I mean, technology, it depends how quick he does it. Technology might be a bit better on the low end that it might clear some of that up. So we never know, but uh, yeah, cool. Um, Because you guys just now are just about to wrap up your James, or well, you will have recorded it, won't you, your your James Wan retrospective? Yeah, I just finished recording the last of that last night. And uh, after that, we're having you on, son, you're coming on. Oh, I know. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to step up my game. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least lower your standards a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, it's been really fun listening to him because, um, I mean, recently we've been we've been chatting back back and forth online about how similar our tastes in movies seem to be, um, and listening to pretty much everything that you said about Insidious, and then what you went on to say. I mean, I I actually I prefer Insidious two over Insidious, right on. But I shouldn't know because, and this is the thing that confuses me. When I watch Insidious, I'm very much like Bo. I think the I really enjoy the kind of the the ghost story element. Mm. It's the stuff in the further I don't really like. However, they make the second movie, which is pretty much all the further, and I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this totally. Right, <laughs> they do it better. I, I yeah. don't care what Bo says; they do it better. <laughs> You know, I think I mentioned it on the show. The first one, it looked like they had a, you know, empty room with a fog machine on it. This yeah. one, it looks like they had a big fucking chasm with a fog machine in it. It's a step up. It's not fucking great, but at the same time, it's a step in an improvement. And plus, you know, all the uh, Back to the Future 2 shit they do in it, I like to call it. <laughs> Jumping yeah. around with the timeline, and it made it interesting. I dug it. And the, the, the serial killer element for right. me just—I mean, you don't—you don't really get a lot of that in movies anymore. And then, I, I mean, that—that that, like what what they actually do in that, I thought was, you know, pure horror. The, the way they, they handle that, and I was like, yeah, I'm. I'm t- I, I did. I enjoyed that a lot more. So, but I, you know, whenever I've mentioned that in the past, people have given me a funny look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I heard you say, it and I was like fucking see me and ryan it's like one mind um so yeah yeah so I, i'm very much looking forward to your conversation on the conjuring which was a movie i actually thought was pretty good as well so uh i've not seen it since the cinema mind you but uh i i, I look forward to what was the other movie you did oh just uh motel hell and the conjuring oh you said that Mot- yeah motel yeah hell. uh so i have uh 
Not checked it as much as I usually do, to be honest with you. I, I, I got a bit lazy. Um, <laughs> too busy editing fucking shows and shit like that. I know but, the um, feeling. Oh, my God, yeah. It's all, yeah, I'll just record a couple of shows, and then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> um, so I checked out uh, Witching and Bitching, which is a Spanish movie. I think it may be in VOD in America at the moment. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It's... A crazy premise. It's basically um, guys rob a jewelry store, and as they're making their escape, they end up um, encountering a coven of witches. Um, but mm. the it's it's a Spanish movie, and um, it's directed. I forget the director's name, but he's done similar sort of movies before. They've got they've got a really cool visual style, but they've got a kind of quirky sense of humour that go through it. Um, and whilst I don't necessarily think it's the best that the director has done, um, I did have a hell of a time watching it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I checked out Where, which is which was brought to my attention by Gil Rokitansky from Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast mm-hmm. as a movie that I had to check out. And uh, I believe I'm appearing on their show uh, possibly in the next two weeks to discuss the movie. So I'm not going to go too much into the ins and outs except to say that um, I didn't think I would like it because the poster read from the producers of Insidious and Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. and from the filmmakers of The Devil Inside. And I was like, oh, there's a couple of... Yeah, <laughs> and it's a, it's a found footage werewolf movie, um, which I'd, it was one of these ones that I think I'd, I remember being on a show a while ago and uh, one of the co-hosts mentioning that it was something that they hadn't tackled yet, it was found footage werewolf movies, and I'd said, because that's fucking stupid. Right. Um, but this one actually works. Um, I think... Uh, like I said, I don't want to go too much into it. I think if they'd had just a bit more money... Very similar to the Lucky McKee thing, if they just tightened up the CGI, I think the movie would have been, like, one of the better horror movies I've seen in a while. Mm. I think that the CGI pulls me out sometimes. Um, I checked Inferno, uh, the Dario Argento uh, second instalment in the Mother of Tears trilogy. And um, I'm doing that because, and I think I've already posted it on the page, I can talk about it now, the next round table... Um, is going to be a, a look at a director's body of work and because I'm a massive fan of Argento, um, that's the name I went with. So um, so the, I, I suspect over the next 10 episodes, I'm going to be mentioning a lot of his movies. Uh, in fact, I checked out The Cat and Nine Tales, which I hadn't seen in a while, and I still really love that. I love his... 70s Jallo work. I think he's he's got it. He's one of the better ones that did it at that time period. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and finally, other than the movies we've seen, Bo had told me to check out a movie called Dead Shadows. It's a French horror movie. He had told me that it was heavy Lovecraftian feel about it. Um, I'm not a huge Lovecraft fan. I, I like it when it's done right, but I think there's a lot of people jump on that. Um, and think just because there's a tentacle coming out of a storm drain, <laughs> then you know it's a Lovecraft movie, and you're right. like, oh no, it's not really. Um, it's a tentacle. Uh, but this one, ha- yeah, well, had the end had anyway. The last like half an hour was very much in the field of Lovecraft. Um, it was quirky. It was quite good. It's a short movie. It's like ninety minutes long. Um, in fact, sorry, it was eighty minutes long, and um, it was a lot of fun. It has its issues. Um. I think um, it takes a bit too long to get into it. Uh, it, it drags its feet, and um, 
the CGI once again, maybe not the greatest in the world, but I love the fact that just seeing tentacles pull down like things like the Eiffel Tower. So right, right. that that that's definitely my wheelhouse. So, um, but yeah, that's really all I've checked out. Um, so if there's anything else you want to see, uh, we could do that just now. Feeling that, we'll jump on, take a quick break, and come back with some news. Right on. Cool. We'll be right back after this break. And welcome back to the news. So, first news story, um, obviously since the last time I spoke to you, Comic-Con kicked into full gear and everyone was checking out a veritable bevy of of horror trailers, news and updates. So, instead of going into the, the full amount of what's been dropped, I picked a couple of more interesting stories and tried to focus on them. And one that caught my eye right at the start was um, this long-rumoured film by Kevin Smith called Tusk and uh, I remember hearing about this ages ago uh, that you know because he does a podcast himself or as he calls them Smodcast right. um, that he was going to take an element where the 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 protagonist in the film um, was going to be a podcaster and I thought this oh right we're going to get a podcast sort of horror movie right. we've not had one of them yet at all to the best of my knowledge there's no horror movies out there which involve podcasts Right. Yeah, I haven't seen one. Yeah, which I thought was a great idea because we've had we've had the internet used in horror, we've had telephones used in horror. Um, I, you know, I was waiting for the next thing to come along. We've obviously YouTube's been used recently. Um, and I thought, and originally what he said was, you know, it involves a podcast. Um, and the guy that does a podcast goes out to do an interview and things go iffy. And I was like, this could be quite interesting. So the trailer dropped for it. So. Um, yeah, so the, the premise for the movie is when podcaster Wallace Brighton goes missing in the backwoods of Manitoba uh, while interviewing a mysterious seafarer named Mr. Howe, um, his best friend and girlfriend team up with an ex-cop to look for him, which, once again, when you hear that, I'm thinking, well, this could be quite interesting and uh, some of the some of the names attached it michael parks who we were just saying off air is fucking awesome oh, and you man. would i'd watch him in anything right he, he could do a toilet commercial and i'd still <laughs> rush on to watch it of course um the, the our main character our main uh, protagonist the podcaster is justin long who i can't remember the last film i saw him in actually it's been a wee while and uh, the biggest shocker was uh, Haley Joel Osment. Uh, he of Sixth Sense fame is also in this movie. Mm. Um, and very interesting to see him back doing movies because I, I genuinely thought he'd disappeared. Was he in this trailer? Yeah, yeah. He I was didn't the, even recognise him. Yeah, because he's all grown up now. He was the guy you saw doing the radio show with the kind of... Oh, get the fuck out of here. No, that's him. That's him. That's that's a kid from... How old does that make you feel, though? Ah, dude, I'm ancient. (laughs) Holy shit. Right. So this trailer dropped, and we've both both taken a look at it, and there was a couple of comments, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Ryan, straight away. Is this a movie Kevin Smith has directed because it doesn't... it looks like a movie. <laughs> right. It, it looks like an actual film other than just something some dude filmed in his backyard. Yeah. And, and this looks like, I mean, it's been shot for three million. This looks like it's been shot for a lot more than three million. Right. Right. 
just 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 on that trailer alone, it looked like a quite a bit of money had been flung at it. Um, and it has a particular sheen that you're not used to seeing with, with Kevin Smith movies um, and all the rest. But the biggest thing that stuck out to me is how much this trailer makes me think of Human Centipede, mm, right? Yeah, yeah. After you mentioned that, I could definitely see it. It's just like Kevin Smith said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Human it's, Centipede it's, worked. <laughs> and I'm a fat guy, so I'm gonna instead of a centipede, we're going to make it a big fat walrus. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It, that's exactly that's exactly how it feels. I mean, from the trailer we get um, Justin Long character, you know, going up to to going out to a remote place to meet someone, um, and this guy wants to turn him into a walrus, so straps him to a chair. Even down that dinner scene where he's screaming and you know Michael Parks is kind of doing some creepy weird screaming right, things. I'm sure there's a similar sequence in Human Centipede to that. Mm. It, I'm sure there is. It, there's. I gotta rewatch that, but it's probably there. I think that. I think there is, and where where like the the surgeon and human centipede is like going through the prosthesis, so how he thinks he's gonna do things, and then you've got Michael Parks doing something very similar, where he's got tusks, you know, pulling out, you know, all that. It just feels really much like that, and I I will. I'm just gonna go on record here, obviously, to say that I definitely will check it because Michael Parks is in it. Right. Um, Kevin Smith has burned a lot of bridges with me recently. I didn't. I was talking about this in another podcast recently. I didn't like Red State. Um, mm. I thought it was all right up until about the last twenty minutes, and then the film really started to. I just thought, no, Kevin, what are you doing? <laughs> um, previous to that, he did Clerks Two, which I really didn't, uh, mm. really, really didn't like. He did Cop Out, which I hated, but I know a lot of the problems on that were to do with uh, Bruce Willis. And before that movie, he did Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which I didn't really like either. I think the last good film he did that I really enjoyed was Dogma. Right. Right. Um, Dogma and Clerks. That's, that's, yeah. that's the two. Yeah. I, I, so it's not. I would just go and say that it's not because Kevin Smith's directing this movie that I'm going to, although it is curious to me because Red State was pinned as a horror film and I don't necessarily think it was a horror film, even though it was horrific in bits. Um, this to me looks like his first real attempt at a horror movie. Right, but even that, in that, it still has you know some humor in it. You can it see does. it running throughout the whole entire trailer. Oh so. god, yeah, yeah, it's, it's still got that kind of Smith humor running through it. So I, I will check it out. But yeah, very much like you were saying, Ryan, purely on the basis that Michael Parks is in this, and that is it. <laughs> yep, same here, man. Michael Parks, and maybe a little bit for the idea of it being a podcaster, so you can identify a little bit. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. So uh, the second story, and this is one that you will have heard of. Um, I don't think you'd have to be under a rock not to have heard that Sam Raimi announced that he's going to be doing an Evil Dead TV show, and not only is he going to be doing an Evil Dead TV show, but it has now been confirmed. And when I say confirmed, I'm using that loosely because a lot of things get confirmed with Sam Raimi's name attached to it right. that never happened. Um, but it was confirmed that Bruce Campbell will be involved in the project. Wouldn't it be great if we found out down the line that this is just another one of those Sam Raimi's fucking with the audience and just getting people all hyped up? Because he's done it over and over again. Oh my god, How uh, honestly, there's not a year that goes past that his name isn't attached to a project that I'm like that. That sounds really interesting, and then you never hear anything beyond that. Right, right. And you listen to any commentary with Raimi, you know, especially him and Campbell involved, They everything is a practical joke. Everything is 
you know, humor and, you know, little schmucky mm-hmm. things left and right. This very well could not happen at all. Yeah. But <laughs> if it does, holy shit, I'm getting cable. Yeah, it's one of these things that I'm, I'd, I'm curious to see how it would work. I mean, if ever they were going to do it, now is probably the time to do it because... Horror on TV is so fucking huge at the moment. I mean, is you can't there's there's not a quarter now that happens in the calendar where there's not at least one or two horror shows on that are doing well. So I mean, mm, but this would now, be a slightly different niche because you know the, all the ones that are doing really well are horror related. This one would have to be if you're putting Bruce Campbell in this thing. Mm-hmm. The only thing it can be is Army of Darkness too. It would have to be. Yeah, it would have to be. To me, I was saying. Where people, because people had said, really, what it would be is it would be, uh, be Bruce Campbell being a wee bit told to do things, but kind of having to face off against the Derrick's again, and you know, would that work? And I was like, well, my name is Bruce is based on that film, right? Exactly. Yeah, you know, that's based on that film, and I love that movie. I think it's funny as fuck. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I totally love that movie. So if they were prepared to do something like that, but include like uh, the you know the Derrick's and and all the rest into that. I'm totally there, 100% oh, yeah. there, can't fucking wait, but it's if it's going to happen or not, because we're still waiting for an announcement on um, you know, Evil Dead 4, we're still waiting on an announcement of Evil Dead 2, and Sam Raimi is officially uh, executively producing the film version of um, The Last of Us. Um, and there's been casting news and everything else going out with that and that's going to be a big undertaking for him it's a huge project that he's going to be involved with so does he have time to shoot a television show or is it going to be delayed off a year is it going to be delayed a couple of years and by then will the interest be there yeah the only excitement I got in the fact is that he has proven in the past, in the early 90s, that he enjoys doing TV-related things. Oh, definitely. So this might be something that he insists to get off the ground. You know, it might be easier to make this happen than it is to make his next film, we'll say. Definitely, definitely. I think there'd be a lot more clout there of Sam Raimi coming back to do a television show, um, given the current climate, than there would be a studio throwing say 30 million at him to do his next movie so I, I would agree with that so uh talking moving on and talking about uh well projects that possibly would happen to projects that look like they could happen but there is a caveat involved um so for months now we have been getting images of clowns clown faces at the hands of oh. rob zombie oh jesus yeah um and <sighs> Yeah, we're gonna we're we're gonna get into this because uh, Rob Zombie, and I've said this before, in my in my opinion, has a pretty good batting average when it comes to horror movies. It's not the highest rankings, you know, but he's not a bad horror director by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I like. Uh, Devil's Rejects mm. I think House of a Thousand Corpses is alright for what it is I can't watch it too often mm-hmm. um, but every now and again I'll watch it I'm like that's a really cool shot right. uh, I just don't think it's I just think that he needed to establish those characters to do Devil's Rejects and if that's the case then I can live with the fact that he's done it um, <laughs> Halloween for what it is um, I enjoyed it when I saw it at the cinema I've enjoyed it less every time I watch it I find myself getting more annoyed with it every time I watch it. Halloween 2, once again, there's a couple of really good sequences in that. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie either, but I thought Lords of Salem, for what it was, up until the last 15 minutes, was a really 
interesting kind of art house styled horror movie. I just think he just got he couldn't hold back on the nonsense button. Mm. And that uh, fifteen minutes was just like, oh my god, it was like a Rob Zombie music video, <laughs> fucking on acid. Yeah, but you know the one thing you could take from all of this is the fact that he has every movie he has released hasn't been a failure to everyone. Exactly, exactly. It has a market, it has fans out there, it has traction. I think I don't think any of his movies have been flops. I don't think he's ever made a movie which has not made its money back or more. Right. Especially with the films like the Halloween films cleaned up, they made mega money. Mm-hmm. So when they announced he was leaving horror, uh, which seems to be a practice right. more well, common these days. That's the best way days, to get people excited when you come back is to say you're leaving. Yeah, and I mean um, the most recent, the most recent one would be uh, you're talking about more on your shows. James Wan has has said he's not doing horror for a long time now. This is a moving over, and you know he he left on he left on the Conjuring, and that was his thought. He's moved off. He's doing uh, Fast and Furious now, and all the rest. And Rob Zombie left horror to go and do a hockey movie, right? Mm. Which I was. I was like, really, Rob, a hockey movie? Really? Does the world need a hockey movie? Mm. Is it going to be better than the Mighty Ducks? I doubt it. You know, so <laughs> well, a few this, things are. Yeah, so this film shouldn't exist. Um, <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Uh, although Rob Zombie remaking the Mighty Ducks could be quite interesting. That would be interesting. You could I have Sid Hage playing the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Emilio role. be fantastic. <laughs> Don't you like coaches? <laughs> Don't we teach you how to play? Aren't we fucking funny? Um, yeah, that, that, that was that, pretty that, good, fun. actually. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that I, I, I was interested. At least I thought, you know, he's he's got a passion project now. He's a way to do it. Cut a couple of years forward in time to 2014, and that's not happened. And apparently, in his own words, it's easier for him to have an idea in five minutes about a horror movie and get funding for that to get made than it is for him to spend two years researching how to do a hockey movie. Mm. So I was like, all right, Rob, so, you know, you're coming back to horror, and part of me is quite interested to see where you'll go with it, and then we saw this image of a clown and the number 31. And I was like, all right, clowns, I like the idea of scary clowns, I really enjoy that in movies, uh, let's let's see where it goes. And then some more information came out, a poster came out, um, and I thought the poster looked really cool, like some sort of sinister freak show gang. I was like, this is awesome. And then within a week, the news dropped that Rob Zombie is uh, looking for help from you. That's right, you the listener. Because um, this is going to be crowdsourced. And I was just like, I, I can't get my head around this. I, I actually physically can't get... And I am, I am not saying at all that I disagree with uh, crowdfunding projects, I'd, I'll. In fact, I've I've given quite a lot of money to those those uh, things for bands this oh, year, yeah, and I've given some yeah given some money to short movies to get made, um, and some DVD distribution as well for for like uh, documentary projects, which I thought that's a really cool idea. Horror docs right. that are coming out. Um, in fact, there's a really good one just now that I've pledged to give money to, which is. Um, the there's a British documentary on the first two Hellraiser movies, right? Uh, and the the whole behind the scenes of that, and interviews with everyone that was involved, right? Even I think they might even have Clive Barker involved with it, and you know, so I've, I've given money that because they made it, but they just didn't have the money for distribution. So, 
here's me sitting there thinking that, and then, then Rob Zombie arrives with his cap in his hand, saying, "Excuse me, going to give us a couple of pounds to make this movie," and I'm like, "Really, Rob? Really?" Because I know for a fact that Rob Zombie, regardless whether you like his music career or not, um, has made quite a bit of money through his music. I right? believe his net worth is up to ninety million dollars. Right, so right, his net worth is ninety million dollars. Right, this movie is not going to cost even a tenth of that. Right, this movie is not going to cost nine million dollars. This movie, you'll be lucky if this movie costs maybe a million and a half. Right, right, because this is Rob Zombie here, so it's going to go a million and a half, which is a fraction, a small fraction of what he has. And I know it's difficult, you know, maybe he's invested the money in it in different places, maybe he can't generate the capital. But Rob Zombie's films, like I said before, have a track record of making money, and he's been linked, especially with the Weinstein's in the past, that you know. He's a, he's, you know, he's a, he's one of these directors that they'll go to to make a horror movie. Um, so I don't see how he can one say that he's come up with this idea and no studio will back him the money. I don't understand that, um, especially when a couple of months ago he said that he'd pitched an idea to the studio and I can only assume it's this thirty one and they greenlit it. So I don't know what's happened in that that kind of couple of months period where all of a sudden the money's been pulled. Two, it, it makes me wonder, if a studio doesn't have faith in it, why should fans have faith in it? You know right. what I mean? Uh, that, that's a, that to me is a big war. I'm not. That's not to say that directors can't put out things themselves independently, which won't have um, a bit of clout and, and weight to them and all the rest. But once again, how can Rob Zombie not get the money for this, right? And then the third thing, the, the most kind of sceptical thing for me, um, is that why Rob Zombie's doing this, um, just in general. He's got he's going to be working on a television project with Brett Snellis, um, which is going to cover the the Manson family. Mm. Um, which, when I read that, I was like, that's going to be fucking awesome. I, I can't wait to see that. So, I mean, he has other projects. I don't understand why he had a hockey movie, which a studio was prepared to pay money for. He's decided not to do that anymore because that's too difficult to come back and do a horror movie, which you can't get the money for, and then he wants you and me to pay for it. Mm, yeah, I don't like this idea in any way. If it was someone else, somebody that hasn't had the, we'll say, uh, track record and you know successes that Zombie has... It'd be a different story. Like you said, I've done crowdsourcing before, you know, from bands like, oh, shit, I gave money to Dog Fashion Disco, you know, oh, and so yeah. on and so forth. I, I've done this for books that are coming out. It's, I don't have enough funds to do this. He does have enough funds to do this. I think, obviously, this is studios not having any faith in backing him. Maybe it's because of how well um, Lords did. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And it's his own fault because he always makes movies for himself. Yes. And, you know, that movie was great. And then you get to the ending, which to, you know, other than the fans of Zombie, this is a basic fuck you ending that makes no sense. Mm. So add that into the mix and you're a studio. I'm going to lose money if I give money to this man. I'm not going to make the profits that I want. And this guy could easily reach into his own pocket, use his own investments, and fund this himself, but he doesn't want to do that himself. So if he can't get backing, and 
he doesn't want to do it himself, even though he has the money to do this. Why should a, a Walmart fucking cashier give money? Exactly. Why should a, you know a fast food worker give money? Why should I? It does. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, there's something. There's something suspect. And I, I do want to stress. I mean. I'm not. I'm not Rob Zombie bashing. Like I say, I think he's got a good. He's got a fairly good track record, um, and I. I'm not against. And there's a lot of people out there that are against kind of things like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. I'm not one of those. Um, I just really there's something going on here, which I'm not understanding. And I. I, I found out uh, through Facebook actually. That one of the perks, and this 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 angered me like quite a bit. One of the perks was if you pledge three hundred dollars, Rob Zombie will follow you on Twitter. Holy shit! Are you? This isn't a joke, right? This is real. no, no, no. This is this this someone someone put this that um, if you now if I'm wrong, by all means, listeners, tell me I'm wrong. But apparently, one of the you'll get other things than just that. You'll get like a T-shirt or whatever. They'll do. You know how how it works in these things. You pledge a certain amount of money, um, and you get perks one and two. But you get the perk that you're paying for. But the the main crux of that perk for three hundred dollars was Rob Zombie would follow you on Twitter. Oh, so Rob Zombie gets three hundred dollars for pushing follow. On a Twitter page, and I'm just, I'm just like, no, <laughs> yeah, that's that's laughable. You know, I have countless people on my Twitter line that I don't even pay attention to what they're writing. What is the point of him following me in the first place? Yeah, I just don't. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's not as if he's going to be liking and retweeting, you know, favorite. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Or you're having... going to show up and wash my car, maybe I'd think about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you're having enchiladas for dinner? Oh, I love that photo. <laughs> like, um, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. So um, I dare say there'll be more news about this forthcoming. Oh. If you do want to pledge money to his film thing, you can do it through his website. If you go to Rob Zombie, uh, official website, um, you can find the links there and go and pledge money. And like I say... I don't know, I don't know. So the final story, and this is more of a just a, a quick update about something I'm quite excited about before we jump on and do our first movie review. It has been brought to my attention today that Lakeshore Records is bringing the sounds of Hannibal to your ears. That's right, Lakeshore Records will release four volumes of music from the hit NBC television series Hannibal, composed by Brian Reitzel. Uh, who did the work on Lost in Translation. The Hannibal Season 1 Volumes 1 and 2 soundtracks uh, will be available digitally uh, August 5th, so probably before this podcast actually goes live, right. uh, and on CD September 2nd. And Hannibal Season 2 Volumes 1 and 2 original TV soundtracks will be available digitally on September the 2nd and in physical CD format September 23rd. Um... Uh, Reitzel said, um, uh, visually it's so artfully done and quite fantastical, so when it's like going to see an opera staging, um, otherwise, you know, it might be a bit more disturbed, but the music is like listening to, if you listen to it alone, um, you know, there's there's a scarier vibe in terms of the context of the show. So, uh, I have, I've made no secrets at all that this is like one of my favorite fucking shows on the telly i am 100 percent a fan of hannibal and i think one of the reasons it works is because it has great characters great actors playing the characters but visually it's a fucking stunning television show 
and the music is amazing. And right. each season they tackle a different cuisine culture. So especially season two, which um, all the shows were named after Japanese dishes, um, and the music in the background was all Japanese instrumentation. So it's all taiko drums and Japanese violins and flutes and all the rest. So it works hand in hand. That it's one of those things that when I'm watching it, I'm very much aware of the sound design, and I'm like. They should really put that on CD. And it looks like someone's, like, hacked my mind <laughs> and decided I'll, to go ahead I'll with definitely it. buy this. You know, the music in that show is stunning and you oh, know, it's yeah. something that's actually supporting the people that are making this thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. So that was our last news story. Me and Ryan are going to take a very short break. We're going to compose ourselves. Oh dear, because it's time to talk about number 10 on the worst remakes of all time as selected by the podcast Under the Stairs. As of course, 13 Ghosts. Um, and oh man, I'm excited about this. Oh god, this is going to be rough. Um, so, we're going to take a very short break. You're going to hear the trailer for that movie and when we return, we're going to be discussing 13 Ghosts. So we'll be right back after this break. <laughs> Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. There are ghosts around us all the time. Most of them, they can't hurt us. Most of them don't even want to hurt us. But there are exceptions. Is it bad tonight? Oh, bad is my professional opinion. We should get the hell out of here. Now. I represent the estate of your Uncle Cyrus. We have an Uncle Cyrus? Cyrus recorded this message six weeks ago. He asked it to be played for you in the event of his death. Arthur, I've instructed my lawyer to deliver my last will and testament. A key? A key to what? A key to your new house. This house is the fruit of my life's work. Oh, my God. It is a one-of-a-kind home. It's marvelous, isn't it? Wow. Arthur, we've got some papers to sign in the library. After that, I would love to take you and the family around on a tour of the house. This place is awesome! All right, now I know I'm dreaming. Well, your uncle was quite a collector of many things. What the hell was that? This Halloween. You're wasting your time. It's all sealed up. The only thing worse than being trapped in a house with a ghost. This house is not a house. We're in the middle of a machine. Powered by the dead. Is being trapped in a house with 13 ghosts. Maggie! What? We got company. Where? I can't see. How close is it? Close enough to hurt you. Go, go, go!
killed? I guarantee you nothing. And welcome back. You have just heard the trailer for 2001's 13 Ghosts. Right, so um, what I'll basically do on all these reviews is I will give you a very quick bit of information about the original movie. Then we'll go into the the remake in terms of synopsis, um, directors, etc. And then we're going to get involved with this this review. Um, and I'm just going to put the, this out right now. And most of these movies are older ones, um, even the remakes, that uh, there will be no spoiler warnings at all in this one. We're just going to be spoiling it right from the start. So if you have not seen 13 Ghosts at all, um, don't. Uh, but if you <laughs> if you intend to, to watch it, to then listen back to what me and Ryan are saying about the movie, uh, you will want to skip ahead. There will be a time coding for when you can come back in to listen to the Night of the Living Dead review. Um, so you should stop listening right now. If you've stayed, you're a sick bastard mm-hmm. um, who likes hurting themselves. Uh, and let me give you some information. So the original 13 Ghosts came out in 1960. It was directed by the absolutely fantastic, wonderful, visionary William Castle. Um, and it starred uh, some interesting people like Charles Herbert, Joe Morrow, Martin Milner, uh, Rosemary DeCamp, uh, Donald Woods, Margaret Hamilton and John Van Drelen. Um and yeah, uh, I, I actually oh, I'm going to very quickly say that I I do have a lot of time for the original, even though you can see all the things are on strings and get swung around. There's a certain atmosphere that come along with that. Um, and I would have loved to have been around at the time the movie came out because William Castle was the master of a uh, interactive theater oh, yeah. that. I've heard that the experiences that people had with this, you know, with, with things being pulled on pulleys above, uh, you know, people's heads when they were watching the film, would have just been fucking fantastic. Oh, that would have been rad. Because there's love and passion there. Now, jump forward to 2001, and there's a soulless exercise in nonsense here, which is 13 Ghosts, the remake. So, like I say, 2001, um, it came out, came out in time for Halloween, believe it or not. Uh, the director was Steve Beck, and this movie starred, and this guy's name annoys me, uh, Tony Shaloub. Shaloub. Monk is in this, yeah. Right. Embeth <laughs> uh, Davitz, Matthew Lillard, uh, Shannon Elizabeth, Alec Roberts, and uh, F. Murray Abraham, and some other folk, but I'm going to skip them. And the synopsis for this movie. Oh, yeah, there is a synopsis. Good luck, sir. <laughs> When Cyrus Criticus, a very rich collector of unique things, dies and leaves it all to his nephew and his family, all including his house, his furniture, and his malicious collection of ghosts. Tee hee hee. Right, so, um, Ryan, you're the guest. Mm. And I know that you are you, you are abnormally keen to talk about this movie, but not, not in a positive way. So, uh, go for it. Tell us what you think of 13 Ghosts 2001 remake. Oh, this movie is a festering pile of shit, son. <laughs> a novel approach for taking something that was so simplistic as the original 13 Ghosts. Okay, and we're going to modernize this thing. We're going to make it quick cut stupid fucking blurry editing we're gonna add okay first i'm gonna mention that thing there's no way that daughter could ever come from the gene pool of (laughs) (laughs) 
unless his wife was a supermodel and was fucking someone else. Because, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, just everything about this film, it's, it's the most ridiculous, soulless film that I could possibly ever think of when it comes to Ghost. Even Berger working on the special effects for this thing do not make this film any better because even the things he came up with are not showcased in this film the way they should be. It's, it's just soulless, man. It's this film hurts my brain to look at. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, 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 I'm a hundred percent on board with you. I remember seeing the, the, the marketing for this movie before it came out and remember like there was a lot of televisual spots going around and then even on the internet there was like you could check out the profile of the ghosts and mm-hmm. um, so you get like short clips of the ghosts and it was featured on the the dvd which at one point i owned um where you would get like uh and you can still find them on youtube actually if you type in 13 ghosts i think um it's ghost profiles or something right there's these really cool files like detective files on each of the ghosts and how they became the way they became and i was like this is fucking awesome i mean they've went as far as giving the individual ghosts a full background that's fucking genius i just like, watched all of those right before we were recorded you know what i mean and, and it's t- see to me what they should have just done is just released that and that would have worked for me because I, the stories are interesting. Um, you've got F. Murray Abraham doing the narration of it, which is really cool. Um, and it's just like really they were quirky done, and there's a bit of animation there meets like uh, the CGI work and the prosthetic work and all the rest. It's just really, really, really cool. You get none of that in this movie. You get none of it at all. What you get is a, a really, really poor. Kind of, this film almost, I know it's 2001, but it feels like it came from the 1990s. Um, There's just no heart at all. There's no interest in this movie at all. Um, Probably the only person that's actually dialing in a performance at all of any description uh, is Matthew Lillard, who is acting his tits out. Oh, he's Um, trying so goddamn hard in this movie, and there's nothing he can do to save it. He's, he's, yeah, he's trying so hard and it's just, uh, people are just not around him, just interested at all. Um, the story, for what it is, um, is supposed to have this twist that you won't see coming, but even if you've not seen the original, you'll see it coming a mile off. Um, there's no real cool work with the ghosts either, for the most part. Other than the opening sequence where you see, I think they're after the is it the juggernaut, I think it mm. is at the beginning. Um, other than that, which is a pretty cool sequence, the ghosts for the majority of the movie are trapped in fucking cages and you see them banging off, basically <laughs> running into glass, which is amusing for a small amount of time, but there's only so many videos you can watch on YouTube of people walking into glass without realising it's <laughs> right, a glass Right, right, and that really Bef- happened. Yeah, yeah, and before you get to that point where you're like, this is no longer funny, it's just stupid. Um, but, but when the ghosts are released, that's when things should really pick up. And my issue with it is that we are given, I think there's five characters in the house, um, of those five characters, one dies, um, really, and that's Matthew Lillard's character. Um, uh, don't forget about the lawyer who gets the cut lawyer, in half yeah, by glass, right. which that's I right. will argue is the coolest shot in that entire film. 
I would totally agree with you, one hundred percent. I think that scene alone is fucking awesome. But so there was six people, sorry, six people in the house. The lawyer gets it, funnily enough, and then Matthew Lord's character gets it. But at no other point is any character really in any peril at all. Right, right. You could I, you could argue that when Shaloub is jumping to save his children, which is unnecessary, might I add, because yeah. the machine blows up right after the fact. But you get the ghost of Stu Mocker telling him that he has to do this yeah. to save his children, and then he jumps through, and nothing happens. It's not like he sneaks them off or anything. They just huddle in a stupid ball while the machine blows up, and then they're free anyway. Yeah, as you know, there is. The, I just yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I was, we were speaking about this, and I saw this, I saw this in the pictures. Um, so I saw this actually in the cinema back in two thousand and one. It must have been, um, and I remember thinking it was all right. I remember mm-hmm. thinking this movie isn't bad, and then I revisited. I got on DVD, I believe, probably about circa 2005, 2006. I remember watching it at that point and going, why did I like this at the cinema? Right. It's, I'm starting to think that early, the early 2000s, I was had to have been on a lot of drugs or something. Because <laughs> I remember seeing this in the theaters as well. And when I watched it, I was like, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And it's so mm-hmm. drastically different than the original. At least mm-hmm. they tried something different. And I, like you, got this on DVD. And I haven't touched it since when I first got it on DVD until today. And... When you brought this up as being such a horrible film, I was like, what? Uh, I remember <laughs> thinking this is okay. Well, let yeah. me pop this on. Popped it on and started watching it. Okay, we got the junkyard thing. There's Matthew Lillard being Matthew Lillard and everything else. And then as it kept going, I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, this, oh, God, this is horrible. This is a tremendously bad <laughs> film. Another thing I want to bring up. Stu Mocker. I'm going to keep calling him Stu. Okay. <laughs> He, in the film, is talking about the glass. He's talking about how it's, you know, the the glass is, you can't break it, it's unbreakable, and the last thing he said is, it's soundproof. Yeah. Soundproof glass. Yet, several times in this film, people get stuck behind this glass, and there's there's other people outside the glass talking to them, and they hear them, (laughs) and it happens through the entire film. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's how I, I, you would like to say that's a small plot point, but that's a pretty fucking it's big one. It's pretty fucking big because you sit there and there's characters that don't have these glasses on so they can see the ghosts. And they're yelling to other people that are trapped, duck. And they say, yeah. oh, and they duck. And it's going back and forth and it's bullshit. That could have easily been fixed in a simple edit. Let me just take out where he says it's soundproof, but it's still there. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they spend a bit of time explaining how awesome this glass is. Right, if you're um, going to tell me how great this glass is, make it do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... The, the movie overall, to me, um, just really... I mean, it comes out at that whole time period. We've got a couple of these really... Like remakes, I mean, like the 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 middle towards the later half of the, the 2000s um, where kind of focused around remakes of films from the 80s um, or even the like, late 70s. Um, in the early 2000s, they focused on films from the 50s and 60s. Mm. So we, we get like we get this one and another one which will be coming up in a future episode, The House on Haunted Hill <sighs> um, remake as well, which uh, even Jeffrey Combs can't see. Uh, uh, at least Jean Grey's in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, before she gets vaporised. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. So this to me seems like a really strange movie to want to update um, because the original one, like I say, is of a particular time where the even the director knew the movie was good for what it was, but it wasn't the best movie at all. But he could use his his tricks as the ultimate salesman that it was William Castle to right. to involve contraptions and devices and make it a fully interactive experience. So every person going into that cinema was getting an experience out of it. This movie doesn't have anything like that at all. Basically what they've done is they've tried to I mean and there's and not that I'm against absolutely amazing sets of fake tits, but that model ghost uh, who cuts herself mm, up, the one yeah. in the bath. Right. Yeah, who, they just focus on the tits a lot. Yeah, man. that's all they did. You're going to focus on a creature that has tits in it or titties yeah. that um, <laughs> do not move because they're just so incredibly solid. Uh, yeah, that's that's enough to take me out of a film. Which, once again, those backstories that you're talking about on those bonus features, mm-hmm. you know, her backstory that, she, you know, she was drop-dead gorgeous, but she was insecure, didn't think that, and she was, like, selling things to do body modifications and mm-hmm. everything else. So that put that story in there. So that makes sense. Cause otherwise yeah. I'm just looking at this ugly, ugly thing. Yeah. That's it. It's like all the, why spend so much time doing character development for the ghosts out with the movie. And when you get into the movie, you have none of that at all. Right. Right. Defeats the purpose. Plus yeah, that, okay. We'll take the, the whole idea of the glasses, right? Mm-hmm. The glasses that exist period, um, period, because in the original, it was a 3d film. And yes. in that you had to put on the glasses to see the ghost. That's what it was all about. So, okay, we're going to take this idea and instead we're going to put this in the film that they have to wear these glasses to see them in the film. And it just completely takes a novel idea and turns it into something as a plot point and makes it not interesting and more yeah. of a contrivance than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, uh, yeah, <laughs> I just, um, there's a reason that I arrived on the list of the 10 top worst remakes of all time. I selected by podcast under the stairs. Um, and, and I see the, that now. Yeah. Uh, but that's, but I can see what you're saying. If I had not revisited, and there you go, if I had not revisited this movie at all since I'd saw it at the cinema, that spot would have been filled with another film. Right. I would have seen this on someone else's list and said, what are you talking about? That movie's not that bad. Exactly. So thank you. You saved a small little aspect of my brain cells from thinking (laughs) this was a decent film. (laughs) I made you question yourself in the year 2001. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What was I listening to music-wise? Limp Bizkit or something? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that's a dark chapter. Um, but we all had to go through it. Uh, so, um, yeah. I would, uh, is there anything else that you really want to say about this movie? Um, or, will, or will we jump on and talk about something which has a lot of merit? Mm, uh, the only thing I will add is if you're listening to this... And you're thinking to yourself, maybe I should go back and watch this film. Fight that urge. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't watch this thing. It's not worth it. At the period of time when I was watching it today, I was still coming down from a drunken excursion yesterday because it was my birthday, and it still wasn't entertaining. This movie is horrible. Stay away. <laughs> so because this is a, a best-off, worst-off um 
series of shows, very much like I did with the, the top 10 British horror films of all time. We're not going to do any grading on these at all because, uh, you, well, the review speaks volumes for itself. Right, so they're all just degrees of bad. Pretty much, pretty much. So, we're going to take a very short break. Uh, when we return, we're going to be talking about number 10 on the top best list uh, of horror remakes and that is 1990s remake Night of the Living Dead so we're going to jump out you are going to hear the trailer for that movie and when we return we're going to discuss it we'll be right back after this break this is Jamie from Devour the Podcast do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty oh my god fuck this movie fuck this movie so hard oh my goodness you know I, halfway through this movie I was just like let's get this thing going fuck this movie <laughs> humor and an obvious passion for the genre I like the cut of your jib the ceiling grandma don't make me get out the broom oh your tears are like wine they used to call that the vapors cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts it's it's a, a pure good I love the idea of up and coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avengers. The New Favorites. Absentia. Cabin in the Woods. The Loved Ones. Shadow of Death. VHS. The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com They came to pay their respects. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Why do you have to be so cruel? What? Show some respect. Now, they're running for their lives. A biologist in Stockton, California have released reports focusing on the phenomenon, specifically on that trance-like state. Every shelter is becoming a trap. Are you sure we're going to be all right? Cooper, you got to help me out! And every road out... Don't stop no matter what happens. ...is just another dead end. They're coming right for us! Romero's Night of the Living Dead. And welcome back. And you have just heard the trailer for Night of the Living Dead, the 1998 remake. So, like I did in the previous one, let me talk very briefly about the original. So, the original Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968, which blows my fucking mind. Mm. Um, It was directed, of course, by the master, George A. Romero. Um, And this movie... um, I think, well, this one famously is, you know, the beginning of his uh, his Living Dead kind of trilogy uh, that he did, which has then, since then, become something other than a trilogy. I think he's done maybe another three in the vein of this. Is that right? They did Land... I, uh, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Land, Land of um, the Dead. Um, we just sound so knowledgeable right now, don't we? Um, yeah. <laughs> most, Diary most of one, the Dead. And, Diary of the Dead. And what? The, the other one with the hillbillies that were rivaling. Yeah, eh, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, he's, he's done a few. Um, so, it's Survival of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, that, there you go. 
Yeah, so he's done another three since then, and uh, yeah, m- maybe not as good as the original three if we're being fair. To judge. I'm a fan of Land. I, I enjoy that film. But... I, I don't. The Land's the one with is that is that the one with Dennis Hopper? Dennis Hopper, you coming back in? I got a uh, you know a nice little revival of that Chainsaw Two feeling, seeing Hopper on the screen with some kind of killer things going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Hopper's Hopper's a great a great character actor anyway. So, um, I mean, the the big thing about George a. Romero has always been that that. He doesn't just make a zombie movie. When he makes a zombie movie, there is some sort of social or political commentary going through them, and that's that's its fundamental core. Um, the, you know, his movies always have something to say. You can argue that the execution of that might not necessarily be great, but um, certainly when Night of the Living Dead, it gave an ending which was so so poignant. Um, and had a lot to say of the time, mm. um, and it's a movie that I have watched countless times. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. Also because it's in black and white. I love movies in black and white, um, especially well shot movies in black and white. Not to interrupt um, here, but yeah. when you watch this remake, do you watch it in color or black and white? Well, the version I have, I had to watch on Netflix, and the version on Netflix was in color. Oh so yeah, I, I was watching it on Netflix too, but I turned the color of my TV off. Oh, dude, I never even thought of that. Yes. I never, you know, I never even... You know, you get some free time, put that thing on again and turn the color off on your TV. No matter how much you like this film, you will like Mm. it even more. Oh, man, that's a definite. That's an absolute... That'll probably happen in... That'll probably happen tomorrow, actually. (laughs) So, um, So, we'll jump ahead. 1990. um, There is a remake of this movie. um, Directed by Tom Savini, which... Uh, I mean, instantly, if you're a horror fan, Tom Savini's name's dropped, you're going to be quite happy. Um, it stars Tony Todd, and this is Tony Todd pre-Candyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patricia Tallman, uh, Tom Tills, McKee Anderson, William Butler, Katie Finneran, Bill Mosley. Right, fantastic and, little cameo. So it fucking was. Do you know? Do you know what I never even clocked up was him? And I, I feel ashamed really, of myself right now. Yeah, a lot of people didn't. I, I knew it was him when I first watched it because Chainsaw 2, obviously, and I'm, that's yeah, yeah. like my one of my favorite movies ever made. And so I'm seeing him up. There he is, this chopped up. And But yeah, <laughs> he did such a good job with that small role. You know, it made oh, it yeah, he's, he's brilliant. Very, very funny. And there are some more people in here, but we're going to jump ahead, right? So the synopsis of this movie, uh, very, very simple, straight to the point from IMDb, is the... <laughs> unburied dead return to life and seek human victims which is pretty much <laughs> on point here I in a nutshell yeah yeah this uh, one of the more concise ones from imdb um so i'll kick us off uh so i saw this movie i was late to the party on this one actually i believe this one probably four years ago i think maybe oh I maybe, really yeah 2010 um and the reason behind it was um that i always held the original in such high regard i mean that when i'm i'm, I'm becoming less of an elitist with age i find mm-hmm. myself warming up more to the idea of a remake as evident through our conversation that we had on the round table right. um that I'm, I'm not as quick I, I mean i still get a wee you know a wee bit of oh, fuck it, the remake and that but for the most part i'm not as bad and i remember hearing that they had remade this film and i even remember tom savini's name 
you know, as he was going to be the director. And I remember just saying at the time, fuck that. You know, the first time I heard it, and that would have been that would have been in the 90s. I was just not interested. I would have been in high school. Did not want to watch this fucking thing at all. Right. Um, and I want to see it's my former co-host, Graham. Um, he'll correct us because he'll listen to this. Who had mentioned this movie. And he spoke about it quite quite passionately and I was like, Well Graham's, you know, wrong most of the time. But <laughs> every now and then, every now and again he's got a good point. Um I'll give this movie a check out. And I remember watching it and going, I fucking loved that. Absolutely loved it. Um does it retain the social commentary of the original? Not really, but then again, that message, whilst still being semi poignant, isn't as vital as it was back in the time. Right, right. I'd say the time this came out, it was more about the empowering of women. Yes. And you get that in spades in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what... I mean, and especially, especially the performance of uh, Patricia Tolman as Barbara. I think mm. she's fucking brilliant in this movie. Oh, dude, she's Sarah Connor. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. She just totally, to me, it just it, it makes the movie. It, it makes me want to to watch it. You know, again and again for her performance. And Tony Todd as well. This is Tony Todd um, a bit younger, you know, 1990, being more of an actor than, he, let's say, maybe has been in the last couple of years. He's he's unfortunately fallen into that camp of horror actors that do small roles now, uh, bit parts, and really just kind of show up and smile. Which is um, a shame, dude, because he could pull some stuff out, man. He oh, literally, man. apparently he's got a photographic memory. He I, memorizes I, the script in, like, instantaneously, and that's how he got the role. Fucking hell, I did not know that. Right, and, and he gives a performance in this film that the first time I watched it it was like just seeing him describe things you know it almost brought a tear to my eye in the younger we Ryan days and <laughs> this it, it's beautiful performance that this man gives he does he does I, I mean the thing is as well obviously um, you're talking about Lee's performance and all the rest I mean uh, you said uh, on one of your recent shows that you checked out Candyman for the first time in a while yes yes and yes. oh his performance in that is so emotional I think it's fucking amazing right right I th- he is absolutely to see where he has come now basically uh, <sighs> I'd call him a convention pony and you know just doing the convention things and if he's lucky a little bit party it kind of makes me sad to see where yeah. he has ended up yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree with that. Um, so, I mean, moving on to, to, to this movie in particular, um, Tom Savini actually directs the fuck out of this movie, and I, I applaud him for it. Um, yeah, the, there are... I love the fact that at the very beginning of the film, they play the... I think it is the original audio from Night of the Living Dead. Mm, yeah, They're I think coming, so. To get you, Barbara. Yeah, and then you jump in. Right. And then obviously, I, I did not clock that that was Bill Mosley, which blows my mind even more because he's fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, the premise of this movie is very, very, very simple. Basically, uh, Barbara and Johnny are heading out to her mother's grave. Her mother has died recently. They arrive at the gravesite. Um, they are attacked by the walking dead. Um, they make their way to a house. Um, well, she makes her way to the house. When she arrives at the house, she meets Tony Todd's character. They then find there's some people in the basement. 
Um, and the house that they're in is set upon by more zombies. And basically you have the dynamic of the characters within the house for the majority of it. Um, the couple in the basement, um, it's a man and a wife and their daughter. And their daughter is uh, has been bitten, we find out. So we know as the audience what's going to happen to her, but the people in the house don't. Right. Um, and basically the, the guy, and I've... I, my mind is escaping me. I can't remember what his name is in the movie. But he's a dick. Right? He's oh, like dude, a, he's like the biggest cock there ever was. Oh, yeah, he is, you know, we're going to stay in the basement because the basement's safe and we don't want anything to do with these people unless you want to come into the basement. And he's really quite overpowering to his wife. You know, you won't go up there. You'll do what I tell you. And he really rattles Tony Todd's cage, basically. Tony Todd has no time for him at all and basically the dynamic of those two characters gets worse as the movie goes on um, ultimately end up with a, a scenario where they find out that they have a truck out the front which was Tony Todd's they need to get gas for it or as we call it in the UK petrol petrol um, <laughs> petrol second um, breakfast <laughs> and um, they uh, go for they find that the the owner of the farm has a, a gas pump which is locked to try and find the key. They can't find the key, and then they hatch a plan which backfires horribly. Um, and ultimately, while this is happening, the Barbara character is becoming more empowered as a character. Um, ultimately, she leaves the house after a horrible, horrible uh, confrontation between uh, Tony Todd's character and uh, Tom Till's character, uh, which ends up with both of them being shot. Um, Tony Todd ends up in the basement, while uh, Tom Till's character ends up in the attic. And uh, <laughs> in, in a bit of tongue-in-cheek irony, uh, Tony Todd finds the keys downstairs. And when right. our, our heroine ends up coming back with a group of... You know, what I've established from this film is when the world goes to shit... When the zombie apocalypse was going to happen, Ryan, rednecks will inherit rednecks the land. will rule the planet. <laughs> they will rule the fucking world. They they have they're, they're kind of like you know that way where they say um, you know after a nuclear strike the only thing that will be living on the planet's cockroaches. <laughs> if a zombie apocalypse hits, the only thing that will be left is rednecks. I'm going to start and training then... now and put a couch <laughs> in my front lawn and get six dogs. Well, to, to mark the occasion, I wore a, a wife beater, a tank top, a vest top for this podcast, and I'm going to get myself into, uh, from now on, when someone asks me a question, at the end of my, my answer, I'm going to say yeehaw, um, <laughs> just for authenticity. Well, I look uh, forward to our future conversations. <laughs> yeehaw. Uh, right, so... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so she ends up with a group of hillbillies when they come back to the house, um, they open the basement Tony Todd is now a zombie and they shoot him in the head cold and calculated and say put the body on a fire and when she turns the corner to where the stairs are uh, Tom Tell's character is still human um, but she remembers every bad thing she does and without blinking shoots him Such in the head such a beautiful ending oh fucking amazing and then says to them we've got another body for the fire Um yeah, I love this movie. I love this fucking movie. I think the practical effects are, as you would expect with Tom Savini's name being against it, fucking brilliant. I think the characters are all really good as well. They deliver their parts. Uh, some of them may be more two-dimensional than others, but um, they, they establish things very much straight away. We know that Ben is pretty much, the, the Tony Todd character, is very much the take charge 
sort of guy. Um, we know that Tom Till's character is a coward, basically, um, right from the off. And they're all established, these quirks. And th- like you said, the story of the movie really is the empowerment of, of uh, Patricia Tolman's character, Barbara, from, at the very beginning, being very timid, you know, wearing a cardigan, you know, arriving up the lane with her kind of geeky Bill Mosley boyfriend to visit a gravesite and by the end of the movie she's rocking fucking pistols mm. she can shoot a rifle she's badass as fuck and she will if you wrong her she will take you down and I think that is I think that's such a cool thing that this movie does and um, this movie's 1990 and there's a lot of people out there that believe that there's not a lot of good movies to check out in the 90s for horror and they're right most of them came towards the end but this movie for me is a must watch 1990 horror movie you go and check it Night of the Living Dead remake what do you think Ryan? Dude, uh, something that wasn't mentioned is the fact that literally this is probably the only remake I could think of where this was actually something that Romero and was was fighting to make happen yes he was behind this he wrote this for it to be remade he chose tom savini to direct this movie and said you're directing this so they could finally get some profit off the night of the living dead name because they basically got ripped off with their previous deal so now anything that came from this they actually got profit for so they got money knowing that alone this is a remake for will i say almost the purest sense it's to make a film and it wasn't just trying to cash in and just make the same film again. He completely changed the whole dynamic of the characters in every way. Definitely. And not just, oh, I'm just going to flip this on its ass and make it interesting. I'm going to flip this to make it poignant for the time we are in. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And it, everything from the change that Barbara makes, it, you see it go along the entirety of the film. It's a logical step, especially during that time period, and maybe even now, to see the steps that she makes to become who she is at the end. She's got, even got these little moments that remind you where she started, where she's this ultimate badass, and then she's walking across this field with these zombies and comes across one with a baby doll under its arm, just reaching for her. And she circles around it really slow and then ends up having to shoot it, and then she breaks down and screams, oh, God, just because this is where what I've become. Yeah. This, Which is just beyond strong. This, I don't know, man, this movie, when I watch this film... And I'm going to push it again, watch it in black and white. But when you watch this film, dude, a lot of it gives me chills, frankly. And I love the original. I watch that constantly. The original and, uh, for me, Day of the Dead, they're my zombie flicks. And this thing is just beyond strong. I think, frankly, if this exact film came out... At the same time, Romero made the original, and he made this film instead, and it was black and white. It still would have had the exact same reaction and the exact same effect that the original had. Yeah. This movie is beyond strong. I couldn't recommend this film enough. I love this fucking movie. Yeah, I, I totally, totally. I mean, I, I, I had missed that, the, the fact that, you know, this is, like you say, one of, one of those remakes where you have the original director saying, do it, go forth and make this movie. Um, and, you know, I, you know that, that, that means a lot. You know, when a director, especially the original of such a powerful movie, I mean, Tom Savini must have 
must have felt so honoured for for Romero to give him his blessing to make that movie. You know, oh, to yeah. pick him. That that I mean, and Savini's been in the business for fucking forever. Um, but I mean, I can imagine that's that's a huge that's a huge ego boost for for someone like Romero to say, "Listen, I want you to, I want you to make my remake of that movie." That you know, the the one that really kind of was the the first zombie movie really stand apart from from anything that had even been touched upon before. Um, yeah, it's it's just such a and it's not a long, it's not a long movie at all. Oh, it's certainly hour, not. It's hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, and it goes at a clip, son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you are seeing you see zombies within the first five minutes of this movie, and from then on, it's it's pretty much it's constant. There's there's not a lot of dim time in this movie at all, and I appreciate the fuck out of it because of that. Um, it knows it knows what audience it's aiming at, and it gives that audience what they want. So uh, yeah, this this movie. In hindsight, maybe should have appeared higher on the list. Uh, I, that's but, what I was thinking that I'm surprised this is the last on the list on the bottom. But this this thing is regardless; it's just beyond strong. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, so yeah, that's Night of the Living Dead, uh, 1990. Anything else you want to say about this movie before we take a quick break, Ryan, and uh, come back to finish out the show? Watch it right now, black and white, <laughs> fantastic film. Do it now. Ryan has spoken. I concur. Yeehaw. Right. So we're taking a, a, a very short break. When we return, we're going to close out the show. We'll be right back after this break. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. Warning, the Midnight Horror Show is not safe for work and is definitely not for the faint of heart. The following is a small sample of what you'll hear live every Wednesday night at 7 at allradiox.com. I ain't heard from you shitheads for fucking years. Now, Webula, we do this thing that's called a live radio show on the internet. And so there's people that interact with us. Yeah, they're listening and responding to us right now in real time. Who, who, who's talking shit? <laughs> fuck, Somebody's talking shit? Someone named Fuckface. And so then, fuck you, Fuckface. <laughs> oh, you think we'll go off on tangents <laughs> on the Midnight Horror Have show? you ever listened to this show before, Mark? <laughs> he was masturbating into the... The corpse of a fucking beheaded fish. Fucking uh, nasty motherfucker. <laughs> we're gonna end the show on corpse fucking this time, apparently. Anytime you talk about necrophilia, you're talking. It's gonna take a certain kind of person to watch it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a charmed life. Fuck you. <laughs> you can hear the Midnight Horror Show live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday night at AllRadioX.com, or download the show on iTunes, Podomatic, or at the AllRadioX.com page. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. And welcome back. So you have been listening to the podcast under the stairs, episode number thirty-one. The reviews were for the two thousand and one, oh dear, remake of the Tingles. Oh yeah, I'm glad I'm not going to have to mention that movie or ever watch it again. Um, Touchwood. Um, I'm going to go home and officially break that DVD to make sure I don't. (laughs) Yeah, it's on it's on Netflix here as well. I might start a petition to get it removed. Um, Start a Facebook page. I'll have at least one person on it. You, right? Right, exactly. You'll be my spokesperson for that campaign. Um, (laughs) You just be like, but but you know this movie has some merit. It has no merit. It has no merit. You are wrong, sir. 
and yeah, we we also covered number ten on the top best, which um, is the woefully underrated Night of the Living Dead remake mm. from nineteen ninety. I think a lot of people forget about that movie. I really do. I think it's one of those films that just somehow disappeared under the radar, so people don't automatically think about it when it comes to remakes. Yeah, I think it is something to do with that 90s thing. I think um, a lot of people, because the 90s was just like so void of of a lot of horror movies for so long, considering the influx from the 80s, and then the influx we get in the 2000s, I think it's just in that time zone it's easily forgotten. But um, returning to visit it uh, for the second time, um, what stood out to me is just how fucking awesome that movie is. And uh, yeah, I can see me checking it out tomorrow in black and white. Right on. So, um, there will be another nine episodes coming up in this this particular series of the podcast. And uh, I've got some really cool guests that will be joining me on these shows. Uh, I'm pleased to announce that the the encyclopedia of slashers, uh, the man that is Johnny Krug, will be appearing on an upcoming show. Uh, nice. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for Johnny. Um, one, of my, one of my friends, uh, in fact, the host... One of the original hosts from the Midnight Horror Show, uh, Danny Trioxin, will be joining me. Danny doesn't do a lot of outside appearances out with his show, um, so to get him on my show is going to be a, a great honour. I've got a lot of time for that man, and he promises me he's actually going to try and be quite sensible on the show, but we'll wait, <laughs> we'll wait and see how long that lasts, Danny. No promises, no promises. <laughs> yeah. uh, Bo Ransdell, good friend of, of mine and fellow podcaster to both of us, um, will be making an appearance. The the wonderful Jamie Jenkins will also be making appearances on the show. Um, the man with too many podcasts, that is Gary Hill, will be <laughs> appearing on an upcoming show. And I've still to confirm it, but I believe Gil Rokitansky from Gil and Rock, uh, Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast will also be making an appearance. So plenty to come up. And obviously I'm not disclosing what the list is um, at all. So basically week on week, you'll be finding out the information of what made what spot on my list so plenty of good shows coming up in between that we've also got the the next Baz V Horror which will be a bonus episode that should appear in the next two weeks uh, we put out on the Facebook page you guys voted and resoundingly you mean mean bastards um, have set him the task of sitting down to watch a Serbian film mm-hmm. now Baz kind of shot himself on the foot here because um, the previous time it had been suggested, he'd pretty much said to me the only way he would ever look at that movie is if people on the Facebook voted him to do it. So you guys just basically ran with that. So you sick bastards. <laughs> um, so so Baz will be tackling that movie, and like I say, that episode will be coming up in the next two weeks. Um, it's it's probably good to announce that. Also, what will be happening in the month of October this year uh, is we'll be running a series of of podcasts right throughout, uh, which are all going to be aptly named Basvi Halloween, where he's going to tackle the entire Paranormal Activity franchise as a retrospective, because mm-hmm. uh, he couldn't sit through the first one because it scared the shit out of him, 20 minutes into it, so I'm going to have a lot of fun, <laughs> basically... At first, scaring the shit of him, but but the further he goes into that, realizing how ridiculous those movies get. Right. Um, so by the end of it, nothing like that's going to scare him. So, but I'm also going to be throwing some some tasty films in between that to to just basically upset him and make me happy. So <laughs> uh, thus far, I think I'm going to make him sit and watch the mist. Oh Jesus! 
I think that's got one of the best fuck you endings ever. It certainly does. God damn. Yeah, I think I'm going to start with that one, and it's probably just going to get worse from there. So, um, but yeah, once again, the- tell them to watch it in black and white. Do it. You know, that's yeah. I was discussing this in the Midnight Horror Show um, that I didn't realise that feature was on my DVD until last year, and I would never watch it in colour now. Uh, the black and white and that's stunning. But that's how Frank Darabont wanted it made. He wanted it made black and white. With the it was the studio execs. Uh, those all-knowing studio execs mm-hmm. uh, basically told them no and they had to do it in, uh, in, in colour. Um, not that there's a lot of colour in that anyway, especially when the mist kind of rolls over, but uh, I can see that being a lot of fun. So th- those are shows that will be upcoming. Uh, and like I mentioned at the beginning, the rim table discussion, which I believe I so far can confirm that Johnny Krug will be on that show and uh, Big Dave Z from Banana Laser um, will also be coming over and we'll be doing Argento. So that that will be a lot of fun as well. Um, Ryan, Graveshift Radio, you you mentioned that maybe maybe on your next episode, the one that you've obviously recorded uh, with Jamie Jenkins and The Conjuring and uh, Motel Mm. Hell will be coming out. But I'm sure you mentioned something about the following episode having some suave sophisticated sexy scottish bastard on it <laughs> yeah some uh some some bastards coming on here uh yeah <laughs> we will be having duncan on and he's going to be coming on to talk about the people under the stairs which oh is my God, quite apt we... because of your show yeah. and uh another film which i don't know if you remember this i said some kind of uh good british film and you're picking it so uh, come up with something son and uh those That'll be the next show after the one drops. Cool. I, I look forward to that, and I will. the thinking cap is already on. I'm sure I'll be able to come up with something. Right on, right <laughs> on. I, I can't guarantee that it won't make you want to throw things at me. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think when it comes to that show, it's going to be you and me standing up for <laughs> the people under the stairs and John and Bo tearing it apart. So it's, either way, it's going to be fun. I know for a fact that Bo Ransdell has already reviewed this on Devour and he was on the fence. Mm. He he defended it a lot better than I thought it was going to. But uh, yeah, by the time we're finished with that movie, anyone that doesn't like it should shoot themselves. Clearly. Well, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, gun to temple. Bye bye, cruel world. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But um, do you have a. I mean, obviously, your show will be dropping fairly soon. The next one with uh, with Jamie Jenkins. Um, what's in the pipeline for for future shows? Are you going to be tackling any more retrospectives? Or yeah, actually, a- after your episode, I'm contemplating pushing up the um, Phantasm retro. Oh, do it! Right, and doing that, Jamie's coming back for those ones too. So we just can't get enough of Jenkins over there. Uh, no, wait, I know. Jamie Jenkins comes on your show. Um, like she has on mine and um, it's effortless it's right. an absolute effortless show and then she goes away and then you, you kind of you, the next show you do you're like that this isn't as effortless mm. what has changed on this show well that's right Jamie Jenkins isn't on it and then right, you tr- right. the girl is look. just far too good at what she does <laughs> yeah. so to be blessed with the Jamie Jenkins on the show automatically elevates your material I can't wait as well because I love Phantasm. So, and there's not a lot of podcasts actually tackled retrospectives on Phantasm before. So you might be, you might be one of maybe like two that uh, I that same, I know of. Same reason we did uh, 
Hellraiser not too long ago because <laughs> nobody was doing Hellraiser until uh, I realized why. Yeah, that's, a st- that's a strong reason why no one's <laughs> doing that. Although I'll defend, I'd, I'll still defend Inferno, even though it's ridiculous and it has right, martial arts cowboys. It has, I'm sitting here recording and on my desk next to my microphone always is my lament configuration. I am a Hellraiser apologist and <laughs> the first two are fantastic films and Inferno is all kinds of okay to me. Yeah. It's not. It's not as. Uh, uh, yeah, it has it has blatant, obvious flaws in them. But I forgive it a lot. Um, and then I check out other ones uh, after that, and I don't forgive them at all. I condemn them. Uh, so <laughs> as you should. Shame on you, Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> I know. I don't know what happened there. I, I genuinely think someone had some blackmail over him and that was that, that was his penance he had to yeah, dude he even has that. to pay the bills every once in a while <laughs> but yeah so so people should be checking out your show but obviously these people might not necessarily know how to check out your show so ryan tell them where can they find you on the interwebs you could find us on Facebook, just search Shift Radio, and you can find us there. We're also on SoundCloud. You could also find us on the formerly known as Leave Extraordinary Podcast, which is now Legion Podcast Network. We're on that, and also just on iTunes, search us out, and you'll find us. And I can't, once it, like I said, it's not just because he's on my show. Um, I've been talking about Graveshift for months now. It is genuine. It's one of those podcasts I listen to a lot. Um, them, but some of them store up you know I'll maybe go two or three podcasts store up and then I'll listen to them all in a batch when Graveshift drops it gets listened to and usually you get some sort of message from me on, on Facebook at right. some probably ridiculous time your time saying I'm listening to Graveshift it's awesome son uh, I never sleep so every message I get from you I respond right away <laughs> you are really good at that actually um, compared to other podcasters out there I won't because most them. people sleep yeah most, <laughs> of them, most of them have time to sleep Uh but you're, you're too busy for that. You work at, you work quite crazy hours as well, don't right, you? Right, right, yeah. Third shift, that's where Grave Shift came from. And, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do some quick shout-outs to some other shows. Obviously, as Ryan was saying there, um, the League of Extraordinary Podcasts is going through a bit of a name change, uh, a bit of a restructure. Um, and the the new name is Legion it'll be Legion Podcasts um, I will include all the details of that in my show notes uh, of where to find us um, and obviously because uh, we are many we are many that's right um, and I, I'm kind of hoping with uh, with Mr. Ransdell kind of pushing things just now um, the podcast in there will become a bit more closer because there's a few shows on that that I haven't I was about to say haven't guessed on <laughs> um, <laughs> haven't haven't spoken to yet um, that I would quite quite like to speak to them because I like their shows so kind of hoping that moves on as well uh, but obviously shout outs to my, my homies over at the Midnight Horror Show uh, next week we will, or this week coming, we will be doing Spanish horror, um, and then the following week, I think I may have talked them into doing sneaky genre films, which is basically movies which were advertised as horror films that we don't think were horror films, mm. and or movies which are are advertised as not being horror movies, which we would argue quite strongly that they are. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun, um, and also Duncan and Bo come correct. Uh, 
episode five went up in the interim between uh, episode 30 and episode 31 of the podcast under the stairs uh, you should check that out uh, Bo Ransdell kind of easily jogged into the lead so he's one point up However, uh, we have a show coming up here, and by God, I'm bringing the heat. I'm bringing the thunder with me. Um, I got and, faith in you, son. Yeah, I can bring it back. I can bring it back. I, I was just—I took my eye off the prize. Uh, you know, I didn't want to humiliate him on podcast. Right, you just going, got too comfortable in the lead, man. No. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's always better chasing someone anyway. It gives you a target <laughs> aim for. Right, right, um, right. So <laughs> heavy is the head that bears the crown. Um, <laughs> so uh, yes, that'll be coming up as well. But obviously, the other shows over on Legion Podcast. You should be checking it. Grave Shift because Ryan's fucking awesome. Uh, it's you should the be best goddamn show ever. It really fucking is. It's the manliest <laughs> podcast on the airwaves. You should be checking it. Devour the podcast. Um, also check out my my good friends Gil and Roscoe over at the Bedacious Horror Podcast. Um, everything that Gary Hill does. He's got so many shows now that even trying to name them all would require three breaths of air. Um, <laughs> right, you I, randomly search horror podcast on iTunes and just pick anything. Chances are he's on it. <laughs> Gary's, Gary's on it or producing it or has guested on it. Um, and I think the, the last I heard, he is moving over and starting his own live show as well. And I'm like, I don't know how you have the energy and or time, son, um, to do all that. But yeah, Gary's fucking awesome. And you should be checking out the stuff over at Horror feel you as well my bloody podcast banana laser the skeleton crew and um the phantom zone podcast as well which i believe i'm guessing on somewhere down the line uh, but those guys are a lot of fun as well so um this has been fantastic ryan i, I feel like this has taken forever to set up but because it has went so smoothly i feel that there is no excuse that i should have to wait ages before you're back under the stairs Oh, certainly not. I'm I'm coming back for one of those roundtable discussions. It's happening, son. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> You're just going to appear. I'm just going to be talking about hello. I know your Skype number. I'm just going to call you <laughs> mid-recording, and now I'm on it. <laughs> You're always welcome on the show. I'm very much looking forward to coming over and... Uh, Coming over to the states and checking out your your uh, your show over at Graveshift very very soon. Um, would you like to say goodbye to my listeners, please? Uh, goodbye, listeners. And this has been Duncan McLeish for Podcast Under the Stairs. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Remember, you can check us out at the places that you usually check us out at. Um, if you're not on our Facebook page, and we have had an influx of people on Facebook recently, uh, and a lot of them getting involved with the, the conversation straight away, uh, you, should be, you should be doing that. Um, in fact, one of my listeners, um, the, the great Andy Blockley, uh, has uh, started up his own podcast on the on the basis of me being some sort of influence on him, which is I don't that's know, a that's scary a, thought. That's, that's a very scary thought. But uh, his podcast has officially now went live as of today. Um, his podcast is called The Big Horror and Little Podcast, which is a fucking awesome name. Mm, uh, and his banner kicks ass. I'm so fucking jealous because my banner is just basically the people under the stairs but i've just scrubbed the writing it and put better ones in his one is his one is big trouble in little china but he's replaced all the characters in it with horror characters and replaced um the oh and that's one of my favorite movies and i can't remember lopan he's replaced lopan's face with jason's mask so nice. did you, you have much much respect for me and their episode number one filmed footage 
frights can be found on their website, which is bighorrorandlittlepodcast.wordpress.com. Like I say, if you search in the search bar on Facebook, Big Horror and Little Podcast, you will find their page. Go over, show the man some love. Um, Andy's been a, a, a good sport on on our pages and has uh, found a bit of rapport teasing Baz which is always straight away he gets props from me so check out his podcast <laughs> as well um, yeah you can also leave some uh, reviews for us uh, on iTunes and or give me feedback on Facebook or on our uh, email podcast under the stairs at gmail.com um, this has been the longest see you later ever <laughs> <laughs> right I was just thinking the same yeah, these were all things that I should have said earlier on, but completely forgot because I was having too much fun, Ryan. Too right, much fun chatting right. to you. <laughs> but um, until the next time I speak to you, take care of yourself, everyone. Uh, Ryan will be back sometime soon. Um, and I will speak to you next week for uh, number nine on the top best and worst horror remakes as selected by the podcast on those days. Bye, everyone. <laughs>